Hi, everybody. Many thanks for joining me for this episode of the Heart Podcast. It's James Rudd here, the digital media editor at Heart. Today, we're talking all about mobile health and the use of mobile health technology for detecting recurrences of atrial fibrillation. And I'm joined by Rachel van der Velden from Maastricht in the Netherlands to talk all about her paper, which is called Mobile Health Adherence for the Detection of Recurrent Recent Onset Atrial Fibrillation. We have a talk about her study, and then we go deeper into how the guidelines might change in light of the explosion in mobile health technologies over the last few years. I hope you enjoy the show. We can start by having you introduce yourself, Rachel, for the heart audience. Who are you? Where do you work? And what do you do there? Hello, everybody. Um, my name is uh, Rochelle van der Velde, and I am a, a PhD candidate at Maastricht University and the Maastricht University Medical Center. And um, my main research topic uh, for my PhD thesis is mobile health solutions uh, for atrial fibrillation patients. Brilliant. And thanks so much for, for joining me on the podcast today. It was fascinating to read your paper. Um, the paper is actually called, for those who are listening and don't have it to hand, Mobile Health Adherence for the Detection of Recurrent Recent Onset um, Atrial Fibrillation. And maybe we can just kick off by you giving us some background to the work. How did you stumble into this area of research and why do you think it's important? Yes, so um, this work uh, in line with my PhD thesis is also focusing on mobile health solutions. And maybe it's good, well, to first start off with a little bit of background, why we even need uh, mobile health. Um, So, of course, in atrial fibrillation, on various occasions, you will want to um, detect AF, uh, for example, screening, in follow-up after cardioversion, in follow-up after ablation. Um, And uh, conventionally, of course, you would use a 12-lead ECG or maybe ambulatory Holter monitoring. Um, But those, in a certain way, have limited availability. And that's, of course, where uh, mobile health solutions come in because they allow for like longer duration of monitoring. And I think, uh, especially before the COVID pandemic, um, most mobile health solutions were either patient-initiated or were really in a research setting. And there are a lot of questions that uh, were not answered yet. And then, of course, during the pandemic, um, there was really like a surge in the use of mHealth. And uh, it was really convenient to be able to monitor your patients remotely. Um, so I think it now nowadays it's used a lot more, but there's still some research questions that need to be answered. And that's actually the background for the current uh, work. Perfect. And this study, as far as I understand it, is a sub-study um, of a larger study, the RACE 7 ACWAS study. Could you very briefly just describe the larger study and then maybe how this one fits into it? Yes, definitely. Um, so the RACE 7 AQUAS, um, that actually stands for uh, rate control versus electrical cardioversion, um, acute cardioversion versus weight and T. Um, so that's actually uh, precisely what it is. So it was a randomized controlled study, and uh, one of the groups got acute cardioversion, so either pharmacological or electrical cardioversion. And in the other group, they were initially managed with rate control medication um, in order to lower the heart rate to 110 beats per minute and in order to achieve symptom alleviation. 
Um, and then afterwards, uh, these patients would be sent home uh, to await spontaneous conversion. And if that did not occur, then they would get a delayed cardioversion within 48 hours from symptom onset. Um, so the main the primary outcome of this study was sinus rhythm uh, after four weeks after this index visit. Um, and this trial actually showed that the late cardioversion, so the wait and see approach, was non-inferior to acute cardioversion in terms of reaching sinus rhythm at four weeks. Um, and it also showed that 70% um, of the patients in the delayed cardioversion group converted spontaneously to sinus rhythm and that you could have avoided that cardioversion. Um, so that's the, the main study. And then um, the point where mHealth comes in is that uh, these patients at discharge, they were asked to uh, use a mobile health device, a handheld ECG-based device for uh, the four weeks of follow-up. And they were asked to monitor their heart rhythm and rates uh, three times a day and in case of symptoms in order to uh, look for AF recurrences. Perfect. Okay, so that was the premise of this um, st sub-study. That makes sense. What kind of device did you use? What did you give the patients to be able to, to monitor their heart rate and rhythm? We used a MyDiagnostic device, uh, which is a metal cylinder with two handles at the end, and patients actually just grip the two handles, and that will create an electrical circuit and uh, record a single ECG. And does it have to work through their own personal mobile phone, or how, how does it connect back to the doctor's? No, so for this study, this was really uh, observational. Um, so that means that they only had this device and they did their measurements. And then after four weeks, they uh, brought in the device during their outpatient clinic visit. And then all the data that was collected during these four weeks was uh, extracted simultaneously. And then we could retrospectively, of course, look back what happened in the past four weeks. That makes sense. Okay, so it was a data gathering um, operation rather than an intuitive back and forth, um, you know, change of protocol, change of medications. Perfect. That makes sense. Yes. And so maybe you can tell me a little bit about the numbers involved in the sub-study, what methods you used. Obviously, you've talked about the technology and the main results. Yes. Um, so in total, we had uh, 335 patients uh, participating in this study, um, uh, in the sub-study. And what we actually did, so we asked these patients to perform these recordings three times a day and in case of symptoms. Um, and what we wanted to know is how adherent were patients to the protocol? Because of course, um, monitoring for recurrences will only work if the patients are willing and adhere to what we instruct them to do. Um, so for this study, we calculated uh, two measures actually. So the first one was adherence, and adherence was defined as the um, number of recordings that was performed by the patient divided by the number that we asked from the patient. Um, and in this case, because we only asked the patient to do three measurements a day, uh, if a patient did three measurements, that would result in 100% adherence and an excess of recordings would not be taken into account. So that's adherence. And then uh, we were also interested in um, how consistent are patients in their measurements. Do they uh, keep on performing measurements or do they maybe stop halfway through? Um, so we also looked at adherence consistency. We divided that into 
two measures actually. So one was full monitoring days, and a full monitoring day was a day on which three recordings were performed at least. And the other one was a monitoring day, and this was a day on which at least one recording was performed. What were the kind of instructions that you gave to the patients? Did you tell them to space the recordings out, sort of breakfast, lunch, and dinner time? Or did you say, you know, do them, like if you're repeating a blood pressure measurement, for example, you might do it straight away. How did you ask the patients to to do it? Because I wonder if that has an effect on the adherence. Well, we asked them indeed to spread it out over the day a bit, so to not do like three consecutive measurements uh, in the morning, but just keep some time in between. Um, And I think that indeed might have affected a bit, but we'll talk about that later, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. And what were your main results, Rachel? What did you find? Yeah, so um, we found the median adherence to be uh, 83%. So that was actually uh, quite good. And then if we look at the median full monitoring days, that was 16. And uh, the median number of monitoring days was 27. And 27 was actually the maximum what could be achieved because on the 28th day, they returned the device and we didn't take that into account. so uh, that's actually the, the main result. And then, of course, we looked at some other stuff. Um, so to get back to um, the measurements during the day, we indeed looked at is there maybe some diurnal variation in adherence. And what we saw is that patients were actually um, most likely to measure in the mornings and they were uh, a lot less likely to measure during the afternoons and then in the evening. Uh, the number of measurements went up again. Um, so that's one thing we look at. Looked at. Um, then we also looked at, can we maybe find some factors which are associated with higher adherence? Um, yes, there were two. So the first one is actually higher age. And the second one is if the next episode uh, with which they presented, if that was a recurrence of AF rather than a first paroxysm. Um, So those two factors were indeed associated with uh, a higher adherence rate. Um, And then last of all, we also looked at what did uh, recurrences do? How did recurrences influence adherence? And there uh, we saw that the median adherence in those patients with recurrences was higher compared to those without. And um, also that uh, patients with recurrences were more likely to perform additional recordings, um, which makes sense, I guess, because we instructed them to do recordings when they had symptoms. So they actually uh, listened quite well, I guess. <laughs> That's interesting, because I, I would have expected um, older patients maybe to be less adherent, perhaps because they would find it maybe more difficult to, to cope with the technology. I hope I'm not being biased there, but um, uh, but I guess also they have more time. Maybe they're retired people, they don't have to go to work. What were your kind of thoughts on that aspect? Yeah, so, well, first of all, I think it's sort of like a general hypothesis that older people do less well with mobile health solutions. So I'm really happy that our study and Mm. also in line with other studies on this subject have shown that age does not have to be an exclusion criteria for the use of mHealth. So especially this device, which is relatively simple to use that can definitely be used in all the patients as well. Um, and I completely agree with your hypothesis um, as to the fact that maybe they have more time because I also think that is the explanation why the measurements in the afternoon 
uh, are less often because I think in the morning people uh, get up, they do their recording and they go about their day. And then maybe in the afternoon they don't bring the device or they forget the device and they're away from their homes. Um, and of course in the evening they're back home again and they start measuring. So I definitely think those two are related and explain why younger patients are less adherent, but also why adherence in the afternoon is less. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, what were your conclusions from the study, Rachel? Well, so first of all, uh, based on this, uh, we would say that um, it is feasible to use a mobile health tool like this to monitor for recurrences after cardioversion. Um, I think the adherence and adherence consistency levels are definitely well enough to get some uh, good data on that, some good information. Um, so also indeed important, uh, do not exclude older patients merely based on their age. I feel terrible now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't have to. <laughs> um, and I think the third one indeed was um, where do we see room for improvement? How can we improve adherence even further? And I think there indeed we have to look at like what what is the reason that People don't perform measurements in the afternoon. Do they maybe need a smaller device, which is easier to bring? Or could a smartphone app help there? Or maybe reminders to uh, perform measurements? So I think there is still uh, yeah, some stuff to explore. Mm. And do you have any information about the, the current um, ESC guidelines, what they tell us about using devices, smartphones, smartwatches, devices like the one you used um, in this kind of context? Yes, yeah, so um, there actually is a section about mobile health devices in the guidelines, but it's mainly focusing on AF screening. Okay. Um, and what it basically says is um, nowadays there are a lot of mobile health tools available, but you have to be a bit cautious when you use them because a lot of them are not clinically validated. Um, interesting is also that in this section, uh, they also mentioned that a lot is still uh, patient initiated. And I think that's, of course, because the guidelines are from 2020. And um, then you see if you go specifically into management, uh, you see that they mention like, oh, technology it should be a part of an integrated care approach for age population. And um, you can use it for follow up after ablation or for follow-up after cardioversion, but they do not really specify uh, anything or give any recommendations. Um, so I think, uh, especially in the light of, of course, the search in recent years, um, maybe in the next guidelines, there will be more focus on, on mobile health. Um, we also uh, see that uh, clinicians actually are asking for this guidance, like how can I use these devices? Um, and this is actually the reason that an uh, ERA task force has uh, recently uh, published a practical guide on uh, which digital devices are there and how do I use them. Um, so I'm guessing that the EC guidelines um, will follow that as well in some sort uh, in the future. Yeah, it sounds like they're definitely due for an update. As, I mean, the technology is moving incredibly fast i have many patients who show me apple watch recordings really good quality high quality you know clear ventricular ectopy or atrial fibrillation um or although that's a different context to the one you're describing it's it's clearly the direction of travel isn't it 
Is there anything else you'd like to share uh, before we finish, Rachel? Anywhere else people could go and find out about your work? No, I guess that's uh, that's it. Um, We've covered it you all. Can, yeah, we covered it all. Um, you can always find me on LinkedIn or on uh, Twitter if you're interested to know uh, more. Um, so always happy to answer further questions uh, if there are any. So please do not hesitate to contact me um, through those channels. Perfect. What I'll do is I'll put links to the main study paper in the show notes and obviously also to the manuscript published in Heart as well. And then if, as, as you say, if people have questions, I'll put your Twitter handle in there and people can contact you. But um, I just want to finish by saying thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat today. It's been brilliant. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. It's been a really fun thing uh, about this. So thanks. <laughs> cool. Thank you very much. Thank you.